Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Acts, the 24th chapter, I believe it is. If you didn't bring a Bible, hold up your hand. We have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Acts 24, verse 16. We've been on this series for a number of weeks now. I believe we're getting close to the, uh, the finish. You know you never cover it all when you're talking about the Word of God, but you get to a place where that's enough for now. And you need to focus on something else. And we've been talking about, uh, we're calling it clear to hear. Clear to hear. And it's a study of the conscience. And what the Word of God tells us. And in, in waiting on the Lord and studying about this again today, I see how important it is. That it's more important than I knew. What the Lord's been ministering to us in these areas is necessary for us to get from where we are to where the Lord wants us to be. It is a big answer, a part of the answer to what many of us have prayed about, asked about, sought. If you're hungry for miracles, if you're hungry for a supernatural life, If you're hungry for God to be more real to you than he's ever been before. If you're hungry to quit making mistakes and be led by the Spirit more accurately. You should be very interested in this. It is an answer. A big part of the answer. Let's read this and we'll review a little bit and then get into some other things. Paul said by the Spirit, Acts 24, 16. He said, herein do I exercise myself. To have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Paul said by the Spirit, I exercise myself in this all the time. Then he must have considered it to be important. That he would make an effort. Exercise indicates effort. And it's not something he just did one day and he got it. He said, I do this all the time. Do what all the time? Let me read this to you from another translation or two. The NIV says, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. To keep my conscience clear. Void of offense. Offense has to do with that which causes to stumble. And the reason you would stumble is because there's something in your path. The object that caused the stumbling, a stumbling block. We've heard some of these things, but I don't know if they register on us the right way. Cause of stumbling was what you tripped over. And he said, when he says, I keep a conscience void of offense, means there's nothing in the way. My conscience is clear. There's nothing there between me and God. There's nothing there between me and people. My heart's clear. Can you say amen? Amen. And Paul said, "I, I exercise myself all the time to keep my conscience like this. That meant if his conscience bothered him about something, he immediately dealt with it 
And he either went to God and he got it right or he went to people and he got it right. But he did not go around with things bothering him. Now friend, this is so significant. Your heart is referred to as a house, as a room, a place. And your heart has different places and rooms in it. And just like your the house or the apartment, wherever you stay, there are some people that come and knock on the door. You don't even let them in the house. <laughs> and then there's other people. You'd open the door, let them in to the entryway, sign for something or get something, and then they go. Then there's other people. You'd take on back into the uh, dining room or the kitchen and sit and talk to them for hours or have a meal with them. They go to a, a different place in the house. And it's only your spouse that should go all the way into the bedroom and be that intimate. Only your spouse. Well, our heart has rooms like that. But our heart should be clear of things that are blocking or hindering anything between us and God, anything between us and people. In talking about the conscience, the word clear is used and the word pure is also used, which that word's also translated clean. So a clear conscience and a clean conscience. Uh, it's also called a good conscience in the New Testament. It's something that Paul made effort every day, all the time, day and night, to keep his conscience a certain way. Why would he do that? And why would he tell them he did that? And us. Why? Because it is essential to live in a faith life and walking close to God and hearing Him and being sure and knowing. Go with me to John, the second chapter, please. John chapter 2. John 2, we see... Verse 1, the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. John 2, verse 2, and Jesus was called, his disciples, to the marriage. They went, you know, they ran out of wine, and uh, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no wine. He says, what have I to do with you? Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, whatsoever he says to you, do it. You know the rest of the story. He told them, go fill the water pots with water. So what'd they do? They did what he told them to do. Then he said, all right, take some of it out and bring it to the governor of the feast and give it to him. And he said, this is the best wine we've had all day. And they probably looked with their mouth open going, because they knew it was H2O they put in there. This is a miracle. I said, this is a miracle. A miracle. It happened in a few moments time. Or instantaneously. This is a miracle. If water can turn into wine. A diseased cancerous organ can turn into a clean healthy one. A blind eye can turn into a seeing eye. 
A short leg can turn into a normal length leg. Yes, sir. And on and on and on and on. If water can turn into wine. Now there are people who don't believe in God. They don't believe in the power of God. And they read that and go, oh, that's just a myth. That's just a fairy tale that somebody started telling. And Well, they're wrong. It happened. And this, this book is full of amazing things that cannot be explained naturally. Wasn't that a great testimony Kim read tonight? About the person that uh, was up making coffee in the kitchen before they realized what was going on. That's amazing. That's miraculous. That's miraculous. That's the power of God doing a number on their body. Isn't it? And I got no problem at all seeing them run out the house and run down the street. You'd run down the street too if God did that for you. They can think what they want. You've been healed. Many have come to the conclusion they either don't believe in God, they don't believe in stuff like this, or they believe God's real. They believe he could do stuff like this if he wanted to, but most of the time he don't want to and nobody knows why. But it's all up to him. And that is not true. I said that is not true. What was the key to this miracle happening? Whatever he says to you, do it. And so he told them something. They heard it. They understood it. They did it. And a miracle happened. And it works exactly that way today. He's never changed. His ways have never changed. They're perfect. They don't need to change. If it's that simple, then why don't we see more? It's because of a problem in this whatever he says to you, do it. You've got Christians, good church-going people. They hear somebody like me or somebody else say, you know, the Lord spoke to me and the Lord said this to me. And they go, ha, he thinks he's hearing from God. They don't even think they can hear from God. Well, they're not going to have miracles. Whatever he says to you, do it. If you don't believe he said anything to you, there's nothing to do. But then you got other people, they believe you could hear from him possibly, but uh, they're not sure if it's him. Something comes up and they're thinking, was that God? Or is that just me? Maybe it was the devil. We're not sure. And if you're not sure it's him, you are not going to boldly act on it. And if you don't do what he said, you're not going to see the miracle. You get the reasoning. You get the wondering. And there's a reason why the confusion exists. It's the same reason some people have a hard time finding things in their garage. (laughs) Or that some people... Tell everybody before they open their closet, back away, back away, <laughs> get clear. Why? Because it is such a convoluted mess in there, it'd be very difficult for you to put your hand on the very thing you're wanting to put your hand on. And that's where a lot of people's rooms of their house in their heart is. There's all this unfinished, undone, unfixed, 
messed up stuff. And God's endeavoring to speak in the midst of that. And as you're trying to hear him, was that him? Or was that some of that leftover stuff I thought he told me six years ago? Or was that some of that stuff that I wasn't sure about? Or it's just all mixed up. And so, if you're not sure, you'll just go, well, I I don't know what that was. And you won't act on it. There won't be any miracle. There won't be any results. And then there'll be something else in the pile, undone, unfinished, unfixed. Can you begin to see why Paul said, I am on this every day and every night to keep myself what? Clear. 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 Because when everything that needed to be done was done and put up and everything that's in its place and everything that needed to be fixed is fixed, everything that needed to be finished is finished, and everything is in its proper place and the floor is swept, polished, and clean, when God puts something on it, you see it. There's nothing else around it. There it is. That's Him. You see it. You know it's Him. It's clear. And if you know it's Him, bold enough to step out on it. Every miracle Phyllis and I have experienced. This church in Branson is a miracle. I don't know if you know anything about the history of it, but it's a mir- it was like you just add water and boom, instant church. <laughs> and uh, Sarasota's about the same way. It's miraculous. The mo- we didn't have the money to do it. We didn't have the background. We didn't have the experience. We didn't a lot of stuff we didn't have, but we did have God. And, and all we did was he dealt with us, go to Branson, do this, do that. Sometimes it seemed like simple and short steps, but by his grace, we were able to know that's him. Do it. You couldn't understand all of it. Some of it didn't seem to make sense to your mind sometimes. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't always comfortable for your flesh, leaving what you had, liquidating, walking away from things that you'd built and this and that. It seems like you're starting over, but you got to trust him. Every miracle we've experienced has been in connection with taking a step to do what he told you to do. Every one of them. Every one of them. The man with the withered hand, how did his hand get healed? The Lord said, stretch forth your hand. And when he did, it was. How many times people were healed when the Lord said, rise, take up your bed and go. And when they did, they were. Go, wash that off in the pool, and you'll come back seeing. Thing after thing, that's the way he's always done things. And he was never going to change. But if you don't hear him, or if you're not sure it's him, or if you can't be persuaded to do it, you'll be waiting and waiting and waiting and begging and pleading and waiting and waiting, and nothing will happen. And nothing will happen. And people get mad at God. And they get annoyed with him. God, where are you? Why won't you do anything? And if they would only listen, he's saying, why won't you do what I told you to do? Amen. Do what I told you to do. Well, that don't make sense. It don't have to make sense. Why do I need to do that? Why do you need to fill, uh, take some water and pass it off as wine? Why do you need to fill the water pots up with water? I mean, they could have talked themselves out of that easily. Why do, why do I need mud in my eyes? What in the world does that unsanitary procedure 
have to do with me ever seeing. That's just bizarre. Well, yeah, you think you're smarter than him. And you'll do without. You'll wait and wait and wait and think you have reasons and explain it away. No, whatever he says to you, do it. That is the doorway to the miraculous in the earth. That's the key to you being able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All things being possible to them that believe. In order for this to happen like it needs to, we've got to get our consciences clear and we've got to keep them that way and walk with Him so that when He speaks to us, we know it's Him. I'm not talking about hearing an audible voice. I'm talking about Him speaking to your heart like you speak to any Christian if you learn how to pay attention to it. He speaks to us. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. Not our head, not our body. Our spirit. Feeling is the voice of your body. Reason is the voice of your mind. Conscience is the voice of your spirit. And you're supposed to listen to it. Carefully. And completely. How many times have we heard people say it? Maybe said it ourselves. Something happened. A mistake was made. Loss, tragedy, problems, whatever. And people said, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have gone there. I knew I shouldn't have been got involved with them. I knew I should. Well, if you knew you shouldn't, why did you override what you knew? And one of the reasons people have not been taught strongly enough to pay attention to your conscience. Take it very seriously. And don't let anything Cloud it up. Mess it up. What Paul say? I exercise myself to always have. I, I do this to always have my conscience. Where it's void of offense. There's nothing to trip over. It's clear. You know what we're talking about? Holiness. That's what we're talking about. Go to Hebrews, please. Hebrews 12 and 14. It says, follow peace. This is another big factor in being led by the Spirit. God is the God of peace. The Holy Spirit's the Spirit of peace. Colossians talks about letting the peace of God settle issues like an umpire making a call. Should I go here or should I go there? Think about going there and see what kind of peace you have. Think about going there, see what kind of peace you have. And when you find the one that's got the peace, you let that be the umpire going, that's it. Make the call. That's the right one. But notice what else. Follow that peace and pursue it with all men and what? And holiness... Without which no man shall go to heaven. No, that's the way people have read it. But that's not exactly what it says. You've got to watch about jumping to conclusions and filling in blanks. How many think we ought not add to it or not take from it? We ought to say what he said. A lot of times we'll just have to admit, well, I don't know exactly what all that means. But this is what he said. Follow holiness without which what? No man shall see the Lord. 
Holiness is connected to clarity and seeing. The scripture says in Matthew 5, 8, you don't have to turn there, but Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for what? They shall see God. They shall see. Now that's not necessarily talking about you having an open vision of Jesus are you seeing the Father sitting on the throne? We are going to see soon and very soon. But there's much more to it applicable in this life immediately. Do you remember when Jesus was talking to the disciples near the end of his earth walk and he's talking about the Father and one of them said, show us the Father. Show us the Father. What did he say to them? I've been all this time with you and you hadn't known me. Because if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Oh, get this, Christians. They were seeing the Father and didn't realize it. They were seeing amazing things and weren't aware they're already seeing what they're clamoring to see. The Bible talks about seeing and not seeing. Hearing and not hearing. And the further I go in walking with the Lord, it's becoming increasingly clear to me. Thank you, Lord. That this is simple. It's simple. The Lord is not trying to hide anything from us. He has made it so clear and so plain. The problem is folks are not paying attention. They're ignoring. And once you start ignoring, it's easy to ignore some more. And ignore some more. And ignore some more until your conscience can get hardened and your heart can get hardened and seared and calloused and dull and insensitive and your heart's just a jumbled, piled up mess. And so sorting what's God and what's me and what's not, people just give up and quit trying to. Let me remind you of something we've already covered. Romans 8.1. What does it say? There is therefore what? Now how much? How much? N-O. No condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. We spent some time on this several Fridays back. We said that word no means what? Not one, not even one, none. Is it possible to live with zero guilt? None. That's what we're talking about. When we're talking about a completely clear conscience, that means your heart's not bothering you about anything. Nothing. Most folks don't even believe that's possible. I'm talking about Christians, church-going people. All these doctrines have been perpetuated for centuries that you are, you and I are just old sinners. And we're sinning right and left and front and back every day and there's no way to keep from it. And uh, maybe by the grace of God we'll make heaven. If you believe that, you don't believe it's possible to be free from condemnation. 
People just embrace guilt and go, yeah, I know I ain't much of a Christian. That's a decision to live with a defiled conscience. People have, have just accepted that my conscience is bothering me and, uh, you know, it's been bothering me all the time. And there'll always be something bothering me because I'm not perfect. I'm just a man. And I make mistakes. And what, what are they saying? They're saying it is not possible to live with zero guilt. You can believe what you've felt, you can believe what you've experienced, you can believe man-made doctrines, or Romans 8.1. Put it back up. Romans 8.1. You could believe this. I decide to believe this. How about you? There is what? There is therefore now what? No. No. Didn't say not much. No. And that word is in the Greek. It's a separate word for no. And it means not even one. None. Very specific. How do you understand that? Zero condemnation. Zero guilt. Zero shame. Zero. Do most Christians live like that? No, they do not. Can they? It is gloriously possible. That's what Paul is talking about. See, if your heart's bothering you all the time because of stuff you hadn't fixed and stuff you didn't finish and stuff you didn't obey and stuff you didn't this, that. If your heart's bothering you all the time from 180 other things, then if you do something and your heart bothers you about it, it's just 181. Right? And it's just a little more guilt feeling today. Because I just, you know, I just come short in so many ways. And But the Lord loves me. And I, I just pray by His grace. I make it in some way. If I can just make it in the pearly gates. Uh, but saying all that, what are they saying? They have resigned themselves. To living in guilt. And they have just accepted this way of life that my conscience is always going to be bothering me about something. And that's, you know, and everybody else is the same way. And, and if you look around, it seems that way. Far too many are. What did Paul say? He didn't live that way. If his heart bothered him about something, what did he do? He got it straight right then. Between him and God, between him and people. And so now I'm clear again. And if he made it rest of the day, no problems, then it just stays clear. If he made it three days, no problems, just stayed clear. If a week later his heart bothered him, mm, get it fixed, get it fixed. Right? Between him and God, between him and us, got it fixed. So why? Now my heart's clear. And in living this way, When God spoke to him, he knew it was him. And he was clear. He went where he was supposed to go, when he was supposed to go. He saw miracles. He saw amazing things happen. They saw healings right and left and deliverances and the dead raised. Amazing things. 
And people want to deify them and go, yeah, but it's because Paul is such an amazing man. Well, he is a wonderful man, but if he was here tonight, he would tell you it was not me. Wouldn't he? He'd say, no, I just did what the Lord told me to do. And he showed up and did something. We got the same Holy Spirit. Got the same name of Jesus. Got the same amazing gospel. Don't we? Don't we? Whew. Somebody say glory to God. God. Say it out loud. Clear Clear. to hear. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say it again. Clear to hear. Go with me to, were you there in Hebrews still or no? Back up to the seventh chapter since you're in the neighborhood. Seventh chapter. And look in verse uh, 26. Hebrews 7, 26. Talking about Jesus said, such a high priest became us. Who is what? Holy. Harmless. What? undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Brother Kenneth Hagin made this statement years ago that impressed me so much. People have a lot of ideas about holiness. And when, uh, so many times when people begin to hear it, they just think, oh, you know, Jesus is so holy and I'm so not. And can we talk about something else? And they don't want to look at it or pursue it. Or they had some experiences where somebody else had a whole list of things that they thought was holy. And you had to do that to be holy. And it's a bunch of, a big extensive list of do's and don'ts and this and that. And holiness was uh, adhering to somebody's rules. Brother Hagin said this, and I think it's one of the best things I've heard on the subject. He said, holiness is Christ-likeness. What's holy? Jesus is holy. Being holy is being like him. And he said, I do always those things that please him, talking about the Father. Sin is violation of light. James says to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him, it's sin. Why would it say to him? Because it's based on what he saw. What he knew. And keeping our conscience clear is completely dependent on how honest we are. You never want to act like you saw something and you didn't see it. You never want to act like you didn't see something when you saw it. Because the Lord knows what we saw. He knows what we knew. Doesn't he? Friends, I don't care how jumbled up our minds, our hearts, how cluttered. That's the word. Cluttered. Our minds and hearts may have become, they can become completely clear again. Do you believe it? Minds washed by the word. Hearts washed by the blood. Come on, are you listening? Sparkling, spotless, clean. People will read something like this and go, Jesus is harmless, undefiled, holy, perfect. People say, yeah, but that's Jesus, Brother Keith. He never sinned. And and I've already sinned. I know it. 
But it's still possible to be like him. Why? Because of the new birth. You've been made in his likeness and image. Yeah, but I've sinned since I was born again. I know it. Me too. But you can still be like Jesus because of the blood of the Lamb. You can still be clean. We've gone over this in some detail, but we should repeat it. Two main things necessary to getting your conscience clear and keeping it clear. Number one, we just mentioned, faith in the blood. There is nothing else on the face of the planet or anywhere else that has the power and is able to clean a guilty conscience. I mean, you can drug yourself or you can do sessions until you convince yourself to just ignore it, but that don't cleanse it. You can get yourself in a stupor to where you're half aware of what's going on. That don't clean your conscience. You can decide there is no such thing as sin or making a mistake or God and do whatever you want to and just try to program yourself not to be concerned about feeling bad. That's just religious stuff people put in me as a child. Don't you believe all that junk? Trust your conscience. If your conscience bothers you, there's a reason why. Well, what I need to just get my conscience where it don't bother me. No, you need to listen to your conscience. Number one, confess your mistake. Ask God to forgive you. Believe 1 John 1, 9. Believe he forgives you and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. I've had people say, yeah, but you don't know what I've done, preacher. And I say, yeah, you don't know how powerful the blood is. It doesn't matter what you've done. Hebrews talks about it, that the blood of bulls and goats could not do it. But the blood of the lamb can purge the conscience from guilt. I don't care what you did, how bad you've suffered with it, and how ashamed you've been, and how guilty you've been. The blood of the Lamb can set you free. Every one of us in here has made mistakes. Every one of us in here has done things we'd be ashamed of if everybody knew it. Every one of us. But if you found out something that I did that I wasn't particularly glad about, wasn't happy that you knew about, You cannot make me feel guilty over it. Why? I've repented. I've asked God to forgive me. And I believe that blood is more powerful than anything that I've ever done. And it really has made me clean. And if I stand up before the Almighty, if I can come boldly into His perfect holy presence... And he doesn't remember it. And he doesn't bring it up to me. And he doesn't see it. All he sees is the righteousness and holiness of Jesus. Why should I wither in front of you? You may remember things. You may know they're bad. You don't have to live with a guilty conscience over it. You can confess it to him and ask him to forgive you. And believe you receive that forgiveness. And believe you receive that cleansing. Put it up 1 John 1 9. Put it up on the screen for us. So you know that I'm not just making this up. 1 John 1 9. What does it say? 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins. What? What What does faithful mean? You can count on this. Right? You can count on it. Faithful to do what? To forgive you. 
of your sins. That's not all. Forgive you. You're not just forgiven. Forgive you and to cleanse us from A-L-L. You either clean or you're not. Clean. All unrighteousness. And if you really believe that, your conscience then is purged from that. And even though you might remember it and look back and you're not happy that it happened, yet you refuse to feel guilty over it because Jesus paid for that. And you're clean. So your conscience is clear. That's number one. There's a number two. Romans 8, 1. Put that up again. Romans 8, 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's those who have faith in the blood. They're exercising faith in the finished work of the cross. But there's something else. And then what? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. All that means is you walk in the light. If your conscience is bothering you about something that you do, it's bothering you because you're doing it, you've got to stop doing it. Or you can't get free from the guilt. If your conscience is bothering you about something you know you need to be doing, you can confess the blood of Jesus, but until you do what you know to do, you can't, your heart's going to bother you. And if your heart bothers you, you won't have confidence toward God. 1 John 3 talks about this. If our heart condemns us not, then we got confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive of Him. But condemnation, another word for guilt, is the confidence killer. Guilt is a faith killer. Feeling guilty and ashamed will absolutely jerk the rug right out from under your faith feet. That's why when people would come to Jesus to be healed, like that man that tore off the roof and let him down, the paralyzed man. Jesus knows why he's here. But what's the first thing he tells him? Son, your sins are forgiven. Everybody in the room got mad about it. Who does he think he is? Telling him his sins are forgiven. Why did he say that? Because he's about to tell him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And that's going to take some faith. And unless you get the guilt and the shame out of the way, the faith won't be there. Can you see why the devil has worked so hard? He's so he's subtle. He doesn't come in the front door. He's working behind the scenes. He'd rather you, you believe there is no devil. But he's working behind the scenes. Why? To keep you and I in this muddled, guilty, ashamed, convoluted, cluttered mess. Because he knows. If we ever find out who we are. If we ever find out that we really are clean in him. And all that condemnation and guilt goes away. Our faith will rise up. We'll believe anything's possible. And when the Lord tells us to do something, we'll just flat step out and do it. And when we do, God will show up. He'll show up and perform his word in our lives. Somebody say glory to God. Oh, say it again. Glory to God. 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 Go to 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. Actually, on your way, stop by 1 Thessalonians 3. 
then 2 Corinthians 6. 1 Thessalonians 3, 2 Corinthians 6. You might as well enjoy tonight. This is your last late Friday. I might not have said that right. Late like this. Uh, what can I say? You know, we, we, we need to think right about these things. Certainly the preacher can go too long and keep going after he's through. Just didn't know it. And I'm sure I've done some of that. But, you know, people think wrong. They go to the effort. They, they get ready. They drive distances. They spend money. And they get in church. And they're there for 30 minutes. And they're going, when do we go? I mean, if you went to the effort to come, you should get something. And you should not be in such a rush till you get what you came to get. Right? And um, man, if you study the scriptures, they had services that lasted all night. I mean, a three-hour service was nothing for them. Did we improve by cutting it so short? I mean, there's some folks today, man. I mean, you go over an hour, they go, they get huffy. And... <laughs> well, that just means they don't know how to have church. I believe if we'd let him, we'd be in situations where if, we, if he was the most important thing going on to us, if we were giving him our absolute full attention... We were there, spirit, soul, and body, and wasn't thinking about or caring about anything else. I believe he would crank up the power and the revelation until we'd forget there was a clock. Did you find the place in 1 Thessalonians 3? Verse 13, what does it say? Verse 13, he says, to the end, he may establish your hearts, What? Now, this is a word that's used in connection with the conscience. We've seen it in our study. A conscience without blame. Unblameable. Here he says, heart. Unblameable in what? In holiness. Well, pure and clean are also used in connection with holy. And what I'm seeing clearer today than I've seen in times past is that Holy is connected to light. God is holy. Isn't he? I think we have such a small idea of what that means. But the angels cry around his throne. What do they cry? Holy. 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 What does that mean? What does that mean? I think we, we've hardly even scratched the surface of what that means. Yeah, it means clean. It means pure. But so much more. While I was studying about this, I, I began to see this. You know why we got light in here? Because we got fire. You want to say fire? Oh, yeah. Fire running in the wires. Fire in the filaments. We got fire. It's just controlled fire. And the more fire you got, the more light you got. And the hotter the fire is, light changes color. Doesn't it? It's a darker shade, but man, you get to heat up high enough, it's a brilliant white. White. Hot. You ever heard that phrase? White hot. 
The Bible said our God is a consuming fire. We're talking about beyond the sun which he made. Beyond all the stars which he made. I believe that's one of the reasons why no mortal human being can stand in his presence and continue to be mortal. Our current frame can't handle that kind of light. Our spirit can. And soon and very soon our body's going to be changed. And it'll be able to handle it. I don't say even in our glorified body that we could handle everything he could turn up. I Perhaps we'll be able to handle more and more as the eons go on. Because he's something. How can I say it? He's he's. The further I go with him, I I get little glimpses here and there. And and you try to talk in tongues and you can't say it, but he's he's so big. He's so big. He's just. And when you, you read about when he comes on the scene and there's fire and there's glory. And the glory and the light so strong and so heavy that people just fall out all over the place. And the priests couldn't even stand up to do their jobs. In his light, we see light, the psalmist said. In his presence is in his holiness, is in his light. His holiness and his light go together. Sin seeks darkness. Sin seeks cover. Adam and Eve sinned. They didn't run to the light. They ran to the bushes to get out of the light, to hide and cover. And John talks about that. It said this is the condemnation. This is the guilt. That light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because When the light shines on you, it'll show up what's not right. In the light, you see what's right. You do. And of course, when you see what's right, by contrast, you see what ain't right. Don't you? Well, when you see the light, and you see what's right, and if you're falling short of it, or something's not right with you, If you love him, if you love the light, you don't run from the light. You come on into the light. And you say, I want the light. I just got to get it right. But if you don't want to get it right, you want to get away from the light. And so you you don't want to hear about it. Who especially doesn't like the light? Talking about people. People trying to sleep. People trying to sleep don't like the light. You come in, you turn on the light, and they're like, oh, man, come on. Turn that light out. Why? Because they don't want to see. They want to sleep. Oh, and there's a lot of folks that want to sleep. Leave me alone. Let me sleep. Don't talk to me about what's right. I'm comfortable in my darkness. Let me sleep. 
But Ephesians says, wake up. Awake, thou that sleepest. Rise from the dead and Christ shall give you light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. His glory is a manifestation of his light. And his holiness is all wrapped up together with it. I, I don't claim to understand it all. But I'm getting glimpses of it. When they say holy, 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 they're in the glory. Aren't they? They're in the light. He is fire. And from that comes the light and the the burning glory. If we're going to walk with him, we have to love the light. We have to embrace the flame. I don't know that I've ever said that. We need to embrace the flame, not run from it. What does the most brilliance of flame and light do to impurities? Burns them out. Consumes them. And leaves what was of real value gleaming and shining. Purified by the fire. Look in the second Corinthians there. In the sixth chapter. And the fourteenth verse. Second Corinthians six. 14. He said, don't be yoked together unequally with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What's the answer to that question? None. What communion has light with darkness? What's the answer? None. Keep reading. What concord has Christ with Belial? That's the name for the devil. None. 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 What part has he that believeth with an infidel? Keep going. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. For you are the temple of this consuming fire. This glory. This holy light. You are the temple of this living God. As he said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. With this revelation, verse 17 tells us what we should do. So what? Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Keep going. I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Does this sound like intimate communion with the Almighty? Does this sound like walking close to him? And knowing him. And hearing him. And seeing him. What's a prerequisite? Turn loose. Of the unclean. Disconnect. From the darkness. And the defilement. This is as simple. As obeying your conscience. You go to do something. Your conscience bothers you. Don't override it. You just were made aware that whether you understand it or not, the Lord's not pleased with you being in, involved in that or being a part of that, and He just lets you know it. Your conscience, your heart bothered you. Now you've got 
couple of options here. You can say, I'm sorry, Lord. I, I will fix that immediately. And you make the adjustment. You stop doing it or you start doing this or you make a change. Or you can act like you didn't see it. You can act like you don't know it. You can act like it was nothing. And uh, make yourself dull. And when you do that, it gets a little darker in your life. And if you keep going that way, it gets darker and darker. And in the darkness, you can't see, you don't understand, you don't know why, you don't know how, you don't know which way to go. You are just one big question. Because you're in the dark. Don't see. Oh, but friend, don't think this is too hard to do. Do you believe what Paul said he actually did and it was possible. He said, I exercised myself to all the time have a conscience void of offense. Did he do it? Did he live that way? Did he live night and day, day after day, week after week, month after month with a clear conscience? Did he? You believe it's possible? You believe it's possible to live with zero guilt, zero condemnation? It is. It is. But in order to do that, Two things are required. You've got to have faith in the blood of the Lamb. That you are washed, that you are clean. And what else you got to do? What else you got to do? You've got to walk in the light you have. You've got to do what you know. Nothing is too trivial or insignificant. Go back and pick that up. Don't leave that there. Go take care of that. No, don't wait on them to do it. You get up yourself. And take that in there. And do this. Are these things important? Amen. Oh, it's, just little, it's no little thing. Right. It's how a pile gets started inside you. A conglomerated clutter. Go back in there and give them a better tip. It's because you didn't listen the first time. Right. Call them back up right now. And tell them you didn't mean that. You misspoke. These are not insignificant, trivial, nothing things. This is what Paul was talking about, how he lived the way he did, a supernatural life. Did he live a supernatural life? Man, he saw things, he heard things, he knew things. Few people on the planet were privy to, right? He walked with God, didn't he? Knew God as his father, knew himself in that sonship position. In order to do it, you have to heed that. When it bothers you, you do not put it off till tomorrow or next week or next month. You don't justify it, reason, mess around with it. God deals with you to do something. And sometimes we're growing, we're learning. And if you didn't get it quite right, you know, to begin with, and then afterwards you realize, oh man, I should have done this or that. Well, do it now. It's not just what you do. It's what you do after. Where it winds up. And old friend, if you'll do that, there is such safety in this. My mother was awakened in the middle of the night. Her young son, Kathump, hit the floor. She came in. He's, he'd rolled out of bed. Hit the floor. 
She's comforting him. Well, what happened, baby? He said, I guess I stayed too close to where I got in at. <laughs> What's that mean? He's sleeping on the edge. And when you sleep on the edge, you can't move far or you fall completely out. Do you know what I'm talking about or not? Give yourself some margin so that if you move a little bit, you don't just fall out to bed. Get over in the middle. When I land, I make great effort to land right in the middle of the runway. So if the wind blows me a little, or if I get it wrong a little bit, because if I land on the edge and get it wrong, I'm in the ditch. But if I land in the middle, especially on a big old nice wide runway, if I land in the middle, if I move around a little bit, I'm okay. I got margins. I like margins. You like margins? I like margins. Safety. Man, when you endeavor to keep your conscience clear night and day, even if you make a few mistakes, if you endeavor to do it sincerely, you'll have margins. You'll be safe. You won't even be close to the devil deceiving you and robbing you of the plan of God for your life. You're not even close to that. Even if you make a few mistakes, you're still in the middle of the plan of God. It's not complicated. It's not something only very few super, super spiritual people can attain to. It's a choice. And every day we got decisions, don't we? The rest of tonight, tomorrow morning, every day, it's very, very simple. Your conscience talking to you about something. Go to Romans 2 and let's read this. Because it describes exactly how this works. Romans 2. In uh, verse 15, he talks, he's talking about individuals who didn't grow up hearing the law. They're Gentiles, idol worshipers, but they got born again and started doing things that were in the law, having never heard it, never knowing it. How could that happen? Because the author of the book is living inside them, and he's leading them. Through their spirit and their conscience. And if they told a lie, which their parents were world class liars and they grew up lying and they were taught that lying was okay under circumstances or preferred in others, and now they go to tell a lie because they got the same mind and body as they had before they got born again last week. But this time, when they tell the lie, <clears throat> it bothers them. And they never heard thou shalt not lie. All they know is it bothered them. What should they do? They should heed their heart. Shouldn't they? And make that change. Because unbeknownst to them, the Holy Spirit's leading them in perfect light. He's leading them in truth. And he goes on to tell how it works. They show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also what? Bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Look at the Amplified on that. Their conscience, sense of right and wrong, bears witness and their decisions, their arguments, condemning or approving, will accuse or perhaps defend and excuse. There are times when your conscience will bother you about it 
And, and people only think of that side, the negative side. But no, your conscience will also let you know when it's right. You'll begin to take a step. You thought it was right. And as you begin to do it, mm, you get a witness in here and you just know that you know, man, I'm on the right track. Your conscience is not bothering you. Your conscience is affirming you. That means you go ahead and shift into a higher gear and put the pedal down. (laughs) Know you're on the right track now. Let's go. But on other occasions, your conscience bothers you. And it's letting you know, this is not right. What do we do now? Put the brakes on. Stop this thing. Don't try to reason and ask everybody else what they think about it. If your conscience is bothering you, that's all you need to know. He said their their thoughts accusing or else excusing. So your conscience is doing that. And this is not the Holy Ghost condemning you. This is your own heart letting you know, you know that's not right. And when, we've been over this again, but let's go over it again very slowly. Never act like you don't know when you do. Don't try to act like you know when you don't. Be completely honest about what you see, what you understand, what you know. If somebody comes to you and they got this new revelation. Oh man, I saw this and we're going to do this. You know, do you see it? Do you see it? If you don't see it, you don't see it. Don't act like you do. Just go, uh, no, I don't see that. Maybe I will tomorrow. I don't know, but I don't see that until I do. I can't jump on the train. Because I can't live off of your conscience. I can't walk in your light. Everybody stand on your feet. Close your eyes. Our God is a mighty, consuming, awesome fire. If you love Him, you love the light. I want you to pray a sincere prayer and then release your faith towards it. Say it out loud, Father God. For all the times I did not heed my heart. I did not listen to you talking to me through my conscience. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for the disrespect Forgive me for ignoring you. Forgive me for not obeying. And I ask you, help me. Open my eyes. Open my ears. My heart. My mind. Anything I've not done that I should do. Anything I should do. I haven't done. Any changes I should make, I haven't made. Please show me again. Make it plain to me again. Make it clear to me again. And by your grace and with your help, I purpose not to ignore, but to do. And to exercise myself. Every day and every night night. to have a clear conscience 
A clean conscience. A pure conscience. A good conscience. Between me and you. And between me and people. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge. You can become a word sender today. For more information visit our website at morelife.org.